would you join me in prayer? And as we do it this morning, you can stay seated, but would you do this simple act? Would you, would you just set your hands out before you, palms up, into the simple posture to say, Lord, we receive from you this morning. Lord, we acknowledge that you are here by the power of your Spirit. This breath we breathe, this oxygen in our lungs is a gift from you, and you are the God who gives, and we are your people who receive. So Father, would we be open today, would this posture of our bodies show the openness of our hearts to receive from you, the great giver, would you teach us, would you Lead us. We know you have wonderful things in store for us. We know you are near. We know your presence is here with us. And so would you be glorified. We thank you, Father, for this time to gather. We pray that by the power of your spirit, your word would change and transform us. Lord Jesus, be glorified. We love you. It's in the name of Christ, our King, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why, why are we here? Why do we gather? Why all the motion, all of the noise, all the activities, all of the sweat equity, all the fiscal and, and, and physical sacrifice to, to move all of this forward. Why the commitment and all the intentional relationship development? Why not just pick up and leave when it gets hard? Why? <laughs> Why are we here? Well, there's many reasons, uh, I suppose, um, but there is a powerful way to sum it all up. And it's simply this. We are here because we are after your joy. We are after your joy. All this is about joy. Jesus, he's after your joy. He's after your joy. Apprenticeship to Jesus is about joy. And, and that might sound really strange at first. That might sound a little bit Shallow, maybe superficial, maybe not quite holy enough, but I submit to you that's because we're not thinking biblically and we're not seeing joy through the lens of Scripture. Holiness and joy have everything to do with each other. And we are called to the joy of apprenticeship. See, joy, biblically, joy is delight in God. Joy is delight in God. And what is delight? Uh, to delight in something is to bend towards something, to ache towards something, to want to be with that someone or something that brings pleasure to us. It is to be drawn towards something that is satisfying, that is captivating, and then to be shaped by and changed by the excellencies of that beloved, by the object of our delights. It is a desire to be a part of something more than who we are, bigger than us. Right? To delight in something is to be drawn to and moved towards what is good and what is beautiful. 
and what is true, right? It's to be drawn towards the presence of another in which there is flourishing, in which there is satisfaction. So if you delight in your children, you know, you, you want to you be close to them. When they come home after a long day, you, you want to be close. You want to hold them. You want to snuggle them. You want to hug them. You, you want to have some conversations with them because you delight in them. You want to be with them. You want to grow closer. You know, that friend that you, you love to, to text with and call and like share memes back and forth. Like, why do you, why do, you do that? It's because you want to know you're sharing things in common. You want to have that you too aspect to life. Like, you too, I feel that too. There, there's a unity between us, right? You want to be with them if you delight in them. If you delight in the mountains, if you delight in the ocean, well, what do you do? You you go and you climb those higher altitudes or you go and you place yourself in front of those waves or, or in those waves so you could be surrounded by that beauty and somehow become a part of that beauty as much as you possibly can. Delight is to move towards something that fills the soul. Delight in God is fundamental to image bearing. Delight in God is fundamental to being an apprentice of Jesus Christ. Being an apprentice of Jesus is about joy. And so today, um, a crucial thought for us is simply this. Apprenticeship to Jesus is training for joy. Apprenticeship to Jesus is training for joy, according to John chapter 15, which we will be in in just a moment. Now, today is what we call Vision Sunday. Most of you all know that, which simply means this. We're putting before our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds what the Lord has called us to as a local congregation here in this time, here in this place. And here's what we're not doing. We're not putting forward a brand new vision this year. Um, Churches get trapped in this, um, what, what would I call it, a, a, a leadership treadmill of exhaustion. And it's this, every year, what's the new vision? What are we going to do? Something big, something, something exciting, right? And then what ends up happening so often is that this just becomes a form of, you could call it a corporate novelty addiction. It needs to be bigger, it needs, it needs to be better somehow. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And there's this endless quest for something, something new, but we're looking for something radical, but honestly, that often distracts us from a radical devotion to Jesus that shakes and changes this world. And we skim along the surface of things, chasing some new trend wind rather than going deeper into what we know he has called us to be radically transformed, to radiate the love of Christ that will transform this world. Okay, you know where my opinions are. Um, so here's the deal. We have felt led to simply, clearly, and holistically lean further into our mission of making, maturing, and mobilizing apprentices of Jesus. And so in other words, that means to go further up and further into living out of and living from our shared understanding of what in the world does it even mean to be an apprentice? What's our definition, our shared definition of apprenticeship? And then living out of this paradigm, you know, how does apprenticeship actually work? What does the Bible teach us about it? 
And then the practices, inhabiting these practices of life that help us to live well in the world and conform to the image of Christ. Like, to enter into these things and live from them. Um, But to be honest, um, these things aren't deep enough in our bones. We've talked about them off and on for sure. Um, But but they need to get in us. They need to reshape our, our imaginations and how, how we see the world. Because honestly, some, some of us might be looking at that going, wait, we've got a paradigm? <laughs> what, what is that? Um, what is that? And so we need to get this deeper into us. Uh, communication theorists, in, in, uh, they, they say that on average, leaders you know, who stand up and do things like, like I'm doing now, under-communicate. Under-communicate by a margin of 10. In other words... Um, I'll say something once or twice or maybe three times, and I'm like, good to go, on to the next. And it's just, no, like, we need to get it deep into us, deep into our, our pre-conscious self, deep into our, our reflexes. And again, to reshape, to train our imaginations, to see the world the way it is, and to live in accordance with the way it is. So um, the hope and the desire is we get this stuff in our guts, okay? Now, uh, we did a series a while back called The Way of Apprenticeship in which we talked about um, apprenticeship DNA of the church and how we desire a church that's structured, that's, that's architected, that's energized for formation, that's seeing people transformed and growing in the likeness of, of Jesus Christ. And so this year, we're, we're calling us further up and further in, we're calling us further into this uh, apprenticeship journey, right? To journey into the reality of joy. To journey into the reality of a growing delight in God. And our passage before us today is going to help us a great deal. And we'll turn to that in just a moment. Um, If you would, open your Bibles to John chapter 15. It will also be up here on the screen in a moment. I have a few other definitions and things I want to put forward. But you can turn to John 15. And we'll be in uh, John 15 verses 1 through 11. Now today's passage is the seventh I am statement of Jesus. I know we skipped one, we skipped the sixth, we're going to that next week, but this one works for Vision Sunday, so here we are. Um, This is the seventh I am statement that Jesus puts forward, Um, and in it we're going to see a map, a model, our paradigm of apprenticeship. Um, We're going to see that Jesus is after our joy, and we're going to see our working definition of apprenticeship as well. So... um, so what, what, what is apprenticeship to Jesus? We've talked about it a lot. We're going to talk about it more. What, what is it? Well, apprenticeship to Jesus is embodied, loving trust in Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, forming us into the likeness of Jesus. Embodied, loving trust in Jesus. He has done something. He's radically reshaped the world. He has saved us. He has conquered sin, Satan, and death. And with every aspect of our being, every fiber of who we are, embodied, loving trust goes his way. He is our trustworthy king. And then by the power of his spirit, we are being transformed. We are being change. And the very center of this thing is his spirit is here present. We're not doing this on our own, right? So at the center of apprenticeship is the spirit of God alive and well in his people. And we are living in accordance with what he has done. And we are being changed, transformed into the likeness of Christ. Apprenticeship to Jesus is embodied loving trust 
in Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, forming us into the likeness of Jesus. So we're going to see that in our, our passage here, and also a quick look at our, our paradigm. A paradigm is a map. A paradigm is a miniature model of a greater, more complex reality. You look at a map, it helps you understand the complex landscape you're walking through, right? So let's go to the uh, apprenticeship paradigm. Um, four simple words that we're going to talk a lot about this year. Union, abiding, obeying, and imaging. And we're going to see in our passage there is, there is union that leads to abiding, that leads to obeying, that leads to us becoming more and more like Jesus. Union, abiding, obeying, and imaging. The entirety of the scriptural story from Genesis to Revelation can be entered in through the doors of these four words to explain the story arc of redemption and what God is doing in our life. Now, um, let's, let's get into this passage. It's too good not to spend a ton of time in. So John chapter 15, super famous passage, something we should really get into our bones. We'll pick up at verse 1. Here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Let's stop there for a moment. Um, Jesus is the true vine. And as we've been saying, who we are is shaped by who he is. He's the true vine, so we are the branches. And the beauty of the Greek words for vine and branches is that they mean vine and branches. Okay, like, here we go. Vine and branches. Anyone, anywhere, all over the world could hear what he's saying, understand what's going on. The beauty of Jesus' communication skills, right? The Father is the gardener. And the gardener tends to the vine, right? Not just to bring about fruit, but also to bring about the fruit of that fruit. In other words, to bring about wine. And wine throughout the scriptures is a common symbol of joy. It gladdens the heart. It is a common symbol of joy. The, the vine dresser is about bringing joy. Joy into this world. And don't we need it? Goodness, we need it. This world is on a mission to kick the joy out of your soul. To tear apart the delight that we were designed for. And the Father is after our joy. The Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And we are the branches who are tended to, cultivated and sculpted. You know, clipped back and then watered and cared for that we might bring fruit. That we might be vessels of bringing joy into this world. That's what we get to be a part of. So what does all this mean? Well, first it means this, that there is a vital and intimate union between us and Jesus. Okay? We are branches in the vine. There is a, a vital and intimate union between us and Jesus. Jesus. The branch doesn't just sit on the ground, right? Like if I were to break one of these, one of these things off, do I, do I dare try? Am I going to hurt myself? Oh, there we go, right? And then put it on the ground. Like that branch doesn't just look up at that thing from afar and have some nice theological thoughts about it and go, wow, majestic, check it out up there. Where's the place of that branch? 
It is in the vine with a deep connectivity, right? Its place is intimate connectivity. It is linked up. They make a unity, right? It needs real physical existential connection to bear the fruit that that thing was designed to bear. So essentially this, Jesus is teaching us that to be a Christian is to be an apprentice, or the same thing, and that begins with union with the master. Right? Christianity is a miracle. It's not just some decision we go, okay, cool, I think I'll have more theological thoughts. It's, no, no, it's the, his spirit transforms us, and we are drawn into the divine life of God because Jesus entered into this world, lived the most amazingly perfect and beautiful life, loving the Father, died in our place, rose again, ascended to the throne of the cosmos, and breathed his breath into this world, giving us his spirit, drawing us into the family. We're grafted into a new tree. Like, that's Christianity. That's amazing. So that's what we are drawn into. To be an apprentice of Jesus is to be united to Jesus in this mystical, beautiful fashion because the Spirit dwells in us. It's not just simply a new worldview. It's a new way of being human. Okay? He has transformed our nature and grafted us in. So the Father has done this incredible thing through Jesus. Well, now what? Now what? How do we live in light of this incredible miracle? Well, Jesus tells us in this passage, he says we abide. And this is the second part of our paradigm. Union with him then leads to us responding by abiding. So let's pick up here at verses uh, 4 through 9. 4 through 9. Because after telling us the truth of what is or the truth of what God has done, Jesus tells us how we are to respond and to live our lives well. By the way, as I read this, pay attention to how many times you hear the word abide. And we'll see if we can count them all up, okay? Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. All right, where are, my, where are my accountants? How many, how many times did we hear the word abide? Eight times. Did we get that right? Oh, don't, don't get ahead of me, Tom. Don't get ahead of me. It's, eight time, it's in here eight times, and then in the verses that we're about to look at, it's there again. It's in here about ten times, which is the, the Jewish number for completion. This is important. Jesus is saying, pay attention. The first and most powerful thing is, is to be abiding with him. And we get this backwards. We want to do, 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 take action all the time. And we miss intimate presence with our creator. And from the beginning of the Bible, we are, are created to dwell with him. He will be our God and we will be his people. We're not just a workforce for God to get stuff done. We are his beloved children he wants to delight in, and he wants us to delight in him, right? 
So we are to abide with him. Abide means to remain, to dwell, to make your home. And the branch's home is in the vine. So if I go out into my backyard and go towards um, the far back by my fence, there's a half wine barrel there, and there's a fig tree growing out of that thing. And right now there's these big, awesome green fig leaves, and uh, we ate the figs, but let's say there's a fig on one of them. And I rip that branch off with a big old leaf and the fig, and I throw it down. It's going to look okay for a day, but what's going to happen? The life will drain away. That fig will be a dried up fig. There's no generativity to that branch. There's no more fruit coming through that branch because the, the true place of that branch was connected into that vine. Life is no longer flowing through it. And our life is found in intimate union with Jesus. As Paul says in Galatians 2, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, in this body, with, with my body, I live in faith, or I live by trusting in, in Jesus, and trusting in this God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our embodied reality is now to live towards him and trust because of who he is. It's a happy mystery. We're in Christ, and he's, he's in us. So the life of that little fig branch is found in being with the trunk of that tree, the life of the humble great branch is found in being with the vine. Our life is found in abiding with him. So union with Jesus. Everything he does then leads to us being with Jesus. Abiding with him, enjoying his, his presence and attending to him. Something we do in response. Now again, Jesus is not just some boss we simply do stuff for. He wants to be with us. I know that's hard for some of us to believe. But the God of the cosmos is very clear in his scriptures that he delights in his children and he wants to be with them. Now verse 9 teaches us that Jesus loves us with the same love through which the Father has loved him, which is a mind-blowing thought. And as we abide with Jesus, the very life of God begins to nourish us and transform our hearts and our minds. And he produces fruit, not, not grapes for a good Malbec or a Merlot, but he produces Christ-likeness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. Is it any wonder Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit? He knows the teachings of Jesus. So Jesus then goes on. Union with him leads to being with him, and that leads to obeying him. Verse 10, let's look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So here's the deal. Union with Jesus leads to being with Jesus, abiding, and then that leads to obeying him. He's the great master. He's our savior, but he's also our, our teacher. He is wisdom, so he teaches us how to live well in this world for total human flourishing. That's what he's doing. Salvation by grace. We're saved by grace. It is not earned, but it produces in us a new life that puts out great effort to live in accordance with the truth, to love him and to love others well. Following Jesus is a life of training for Christ's likeness because his spirit lives within us. We are becoming who we are in Christ. So to love him is to obey him. The scriptures are very clear on this to obey him, to trust in him. 
Now, um, what is all this for? This union, this abiding, and this, uh, this uh, obeying? What is it for? What's the end game? What's the big fancy word telos? Or what's the goal? And, and Jesus is very clear in this passage. It's beautiful. Look at verse 11. He says, These things, these things that I have spoken to you, therefore that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. In other words, this talk about union, this talk about being together and obeying, what's the point? It's so that you might know the joy of delighting in God. I'm for your joy. It's an incredible passage. Just reframes so much of the religious garbage of the broken narratives that we grew up thinking about. What is all this for? It's for our joy, that we would delight in him and he would be glorified by our life of delight. Jesus wants us to be like him. Jesus has joy in the Father. He delights in the Father. He is ever delighted in the Father. And the Father is ever delighted in the Son. And he says, I want you to be like that. I want you to enter into it. I want you to be like me. So this is the imaging bit. Union leads to abiding and obeying, which leads to imaging, being like Jesus. Living this life of incredible joy. Jesus' great joy is the Father. Anytime he could, he would get away to be with the Father, to spend time with his Father. He didn't go to the Father just in, in order to get enough spiritual strength to get through hard stuff for some other goal. And what was the joy that was set before Jesus that he talks about in Hebrews when he was going towards the cross? What was that joy? Well, it was, it was the joy of seeing God's children delight in the Father because of what Jesus had done, drawing people into his joy, into his delights. So what are we after? <laughs> We're after your joy. All this requires transformation, right? All this requires our transformation. God has united us to him by breathing his spirit into us that we would trust King Jesus. How then? Like, like we, if you get down to like the, the nitty gritty, right? The, the brass tacks, the nuts and bolts. How do we abide and obey? How do we take it from way up here all floaty like down to the turf? How do we do it? Well, this is why we have our practices of grace. Our practices of grace are, are the way, right? They, they are how we go about abiding and obeying Jesus as a community um, of apprentices. They are the way we go about our days. They, they form our habits, right? And our, our rhythms, they shape our weeks because those habits, they, they form us and they get the gospel into our synapses, into our bones, into our nervous system, uh, and into our muscle memory. So when, when the evil in the world pushes on us, or when internal frictions push on us, what comes out is the love of Christ because he has been shaping us, because we've been training in Christ's likeness. If you look at Matthew 28, um, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, this is called the great what? The Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Jesus tells his disciples, as you go, like as you go about your life, make apprentices, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do. We have um, some, some family members here who are obeying this command. They are going to get baptized today. And By the way, if the Lord moves on you and you've never been baptized and the gospel does something to you, there's going to be a call out later, so prepare yourself heads up. Um, then he says, he doesn't stop. He doesn't say, baptize them. They're good to go. Let them live their life. What does he say next? 
teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. Pause. Teaching them to do what? To observe. To obey. To keep. To, to live the life that he has called. How are we doing that? Like, how, how are we actually doing that? I wonder how I've done that. For, for years, like how are we teaching people to obey these things that they might be shaped in Christ-likeness? Well, this is why we have the practices of, of apprenticeship. We need to not only teach the what and the why of the gospel, but also the how, the way of the life of apprenticeship that honors the beauty of the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. So these practices of grace that um, we'll throw up here on the screen um, these are drawn from the life of Christ. They are drawn from scriptures. They are um, what, what people have called uh, throughout the centuries of the church, they are what you could say are a rule of life or a way of life. It's, just, it's a shared understanding of how we shape our days, of how we focus our days first and, and foremost around Jesus, that he would be the primary influence that would be shaping and transforming who we are. And, and the, the seven that we articulate are simply this. Scripture meditation, unceasing prayer, life together, unhurried presence, joyful generosity, compassionate gentleness, and faithful witness. Now these are kind of a high altitude description of these practices, and there's various ways to practice each of these, and and we will talk about that throughout this this upcoming year. But in general, uh, let me me mention um, uh, what these mean let me explore them just really really briefly so the first one is this scripture meditation i hope i hope if you walk in here for the first time you're like they they think the world of the scripture they open that scripture up and and they preach christ from the scripture and they're thinking about it they're talking about it. it's in between songs it's in their prayers it's just a scripture saturated community it is the word of God to us. Scripture is the word of God, and so we meditate on Scripture. So Scripture meditation is listening to the voice of Jesus above all other voices by delighting in and meditating on his word. And he rewrites the way we see the world, and he helps us to live in accordance with reality. Unceasing prayer, talking with God first and most about everything. He's real. He exists. We get to walk through this life with him. So we talk to him first and most about everything. We don't only talk to him in a moment that's designated prayer where we fold our hands or bow our heads. We, we walk through the day like, good morning, Lord. It's Monday. Uh, help me. Um, Lord, help me with this, this next meeting because it's going to be a bear and I have to do it on Zoom again. And I don't want to have this conversation, but you're with me. So I don't need to be anxious. Like, it's just talking with him throughout the day. Unhurried presence. Living, oh, excuse me, I, I skipped one. Oh my goodness, don't do that. Life together. Life together, practicing true community. The practice of true community in which the love of God takes on flesh through one another. The Bible has all these one another's. Bear with one another, be patient with one another, forgive one another. You can't do that in isolation, right? And so as we live this life together, love goes from this abstraction to something with bones and blood and sweat and flesh. And we work out this Christ-likeness in our life. And the Father smiles over us. 
We need each other. Because do you remember the season when we were separated and it was just all digital? And how we ached to sit in a room with brothers and sisters? How we ached to be frustrated by someone on campus because it would just be great to be with someone on campus? We are called to live this life together. Unhurried presence. You can only live life together if you're living in unhurried presence, by the way. Unhurried presence is living life at a with God pace. Slowing down and being attentive to God in the present moment he has given you. It's about walking through this world knowing that he's more real than the pew that you're sitting on or, or the computer that you're in front of. Knowing he's more real, he's there, and you are being attentive to the fact that he is there and you are slowing down and looking at the world he's created and the relationships that he's bringing together. Joyful generosity, living, um, lo- loving others by freely sharing what God has graciously given you. He blesses so that we can be a blessing to others and we do it with great delight in our hearts. Compassionate gentleness. I love this one. Loving others through the proper and compassionate use of power that God has given you. Through the proper use of power that God has given you. Laying down your power for the good of others to see them flourish. And then faithful witness. Telling the world the good news of Jesus with our words and our deeds. Gospel proclamation and ministry of mercy and justice, it all comes together in a holistic life that honors Christ. Now, by the way, all these practices, they're countercultural. All these practices are countercultural, and they go against the deforming, distorting pressures of this world that are coming at us 24-7. G.K. Chesterton, he said it beautifully once. He said, it's the paradox of history. It's the paradox of history that each generation is converted by the saints who contradict it the most. Sometimes we try so hard to be like the world, to connect with the world, and really we're being just shaped by and deformed by it, rather than living this life of following Christ and letting the world go, whoa, you're weird, but it's something's there. Yeah, yeah, it's Jesus. These things, they have to get off our posters and into our hearts. These have to get off of the website page and get into our imaginations and shape how we see the world and shape our habits. So these practices are training for joy. And as James says, we are to be hearers and doers of the word of God. So these are training for joy. And, uh, well, I don't have time. Darn well, okay, Dallas, just real quick, Dallas, Dallas Willard said that the practices um, are training for reigning. That's fun. Training for reigning. Reigning? Adam and Eve were created to rule and reign over this world, under God, with God, to extend the boundaries of the garden for total world flourishing. You are called to rule and to reign under a glorious king who has the good of the world in his sight. How do we train for that? We follow Christ and we live into these by his grace, empowered by his spirit. That's what we are called to do. That is what we are called to do. So I think it's fair to say we have a very strong agenda for your life here. I know that's scary verbiage. In a world that is obsessed 
with, with expressive individualism, in a world that is obsessed with personal autonomy and self-governing. To hear somebody has an agenda for your life is like, whoa, hands off, back up. We have a very strong agenda for your life here, and I think we need to be more forthright with that. And it is for your joy. It is that you would look more like Christ. It is that he would shred any of the religious games you are playing when you come to church and where you feel you can't be inauthentic and you can't confess because then you'll be judged and then Satan keeps you bound and locked in lies. We want your joy. And that means it's going to be hard to be comfortable in this church community if you're okay staying with where you're at. It's going to be really hard to, to stay comfortable in this church community if you feel like, I don't really want or need to change. I just need some people around me to feel okay. Because all of this is going to lead us into seeking transformation through the Spirit of Christ. That means change, and change is often a companion of pain, right? Okay. I'm going to be wildly clear about this. We are called to a formation ethos here. A formation ethos. And, and if you feel like, well, the spiritual formation stuff isn't for me, uh, the reality is, let me just like, let me just put this out there. The reality is we're all being formed spiritually day in and day out. Day in and day out. The problem is we're just not conscious of it. And the reality is one hour isn't going to combat and beat back the other 23 hours that you're formed. But it's formed. It's, and it's worse than that. It's, it's six days plus 23 hours versus, for many people, just one hour of formation on Sunday. So we're calling us into a total way of living, which changes our daily habits and, and rhythms. And so if you can put that, that triangle diagram back up, what we're trying to do, trying to get into us, is this understanding, what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus, a biblical understanding the paradigm by which it operates so we know how all this stuff functions as best as we can and then the practices so we can uh, inhabit this world the way God has designed us to inhabit this world. We want a deep transformation of our imagination and a deep transformation of our habituations. We desire for the Lord to change how we see so he changes how we live. Okay. Now, is that overwhelming? <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. And we're going to make missteps. The leadership is going <laughs> to make missteps. You know, we're, we're going to stumble. We're going to make some blunders and bumble into some wonderful things. And the Spirit's going to meddle with us. And the Spirit's going to change and transform us. And so one of the big questions I think we need to ask is this. How, is how you are living today taking you into Christ-likeness? That's a question that I'll meddle with you. Is how you're living today taking you into Christ-likeness? Who are you becoming by the way you are currently living? Extrapolate your daily rhythms. Who are you becoming by the way you are currently living? That's going to reshape what I do with the first few moments of my day what I do on lunch break, what, how I talk to people, what I do at the end of the day, what I do when I'm alone. Okay. Um, I, I want to close with this. Um, I do want to say, um, if you'll grant me two or three more moments here, there are so many wonderful initiatives and things that we're doing this, this year. Uh, building for family 
Young families are coming like crazy. It's awesome. We are building for a family and disability ministry. You, you see all the construction back there. Uh, we are training our kids. We are seeing apprentices made, like making apprentices of our children by God's grace. Alpha at Inklings is bringing people in who are curious about the faith, maybe antagonistic about the faith. Evangelism is happening. Mobilizing, mobilizing disciples, a global church partnering and planting initiative, all sorts of incredible things are coming down your way. So excited to talk to you about some of those things, and they're coming. Maturing, uh, we're going to be putting forward an apprenticeship master class to help people get this apprenticeship DNA in them. There's a new membership process that's really robust and healthy, future sermon series and all this stuff. Com groups are all, all this stuff is getting woven into our com groups. So, so many beautiful things. But at the very heartbeat of it is attuning your life to this master Jesus and living our days empowered by his grace that we might become more and more like him. And so I want to close with this. Let's look at verse 11 one more time. These things, what are these things that he's talking about? Union, vine and branches, abiding and then obeying his commandments. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That we might live out of the fullness of joy like he does. That we might image him. So my friends, God and his great grace has called us into union with Jesus through his life, his death, his resurrection, ascension, and breathing his spirit into us. And by his empowering spirit, we can abide with him. It's not a fruitless effort. And by his empowering spirit, we can obey what Jesus says because he is the one of perfect obedience and he is faithful. And by his spirit, we are being formed into the image of Jesus. We are becoming more truly human. We are becoming like Jesus. He is the true vine. We are the, the branches. And it is his joy to produce fruit through you, to bring joy to this world. So, my friends, this year we are unashamedly after your joy. And we have a big agenda for your life. And so, as his apprentices, let us train for joy this year. Let us go further up and further in to the way of apprenticeship. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your great love and your great grace. You are the gardener. You are re-gardening this world. And you are calling us into that mission that we would bear fruit and bring about joy. So Lord, would you train us for joy? Father, we, uh, we're just, we're in awe of you, and we need you. Lord, you've designed us for this joy, and you want it in our life to the full, to perfect completion, and, and we thank you. You're just so good. So we pray that our praises this morning would honor you, that what we're doing this year would, would honor you, and that it is what you have for us, that we're not just making this stuff up, but we are following the Spirit. So lead us on. Lead us on. We love you. Amen.